0: Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, a publicist here at Caden Co PR. And if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Of course, we wanted to start off the season with a bang. So today I am interviewing Channel 7 News presenter Jackie Felgate. Over the past 12 months, Jackie's name has become synonymous with COVID-19 updates, especially here in Melbourne. She has grown a cult following for her daily Instagram reporting, and if you don't already follow her, I highly recommend checking out her page at jackiefelgate 7 Today, Jackie and I chat all about her successful career so far, her accidental transition into reporting via social media, and also how she prefers to work with PRs on a daily basis. We really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I personally enjoyed chatting to Jackie. So, enough from me, and on to the interview. Hi, Jackie. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Press Office with Caden Co. PR. You are our very first ever guest on the show. We are so thrilled to chat to you today and in particular, really dive into all of the COVID communications that you are really heralding at the moment. Before we get into it, how are you going today?
1: Yeah, good. I think every day with homeschooling is a bit of a challenge for everybody. But yeah, I didn't really do much of that today, so I can't complain. But yeah, it's um, it's just the ongoing challenge for every parent, isn't it? juggling work and school. Oh I
0: don't know how the working mums are doing it at the moment <laughs> it must be such a struggle.
1: Yeah it is re- it is I think it's just because it, there's no end in sight at the moment hopefully you know hopefully it's not going for too much longer but especially for the kids as well they're missing their friends they're sick of it the novelty is well and truly worn off but um look uh, we're all still working and, and that's great.
0: Yeah the novelty has well and truly worn off even for the adults. <laughs> yeah exactly. Now for many you do not require any introduction whatsoever but for the listeners do you mind introducing yourself what
1: you do and how you got to where you are today? Well yes I'm Jackie Falgate I'm 39 year old mother of two I've got a nine-year-old Maddie and a four-year-old Georgia I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years now I started in 2003 at the Herald Sun while I did my uni degree. I just did a general arts degree at Melbourne Uni, I did political science, and I worked at the Herald Sun, did my cadetship there, which I absolutely loved. I'm very defensive of people that have a go at the Herald Sun because they gave me a wonderful start to my career, and they taught me to be a great writer and and how to be a journalist, which not everyone gets that wonderful learning on the the road and on the job learning. So I I never have a bad word to say about my experience there. It was fantastic. And then after that, I went to Channel 9 to be the state political reporter, that's really why I did leave the Herald Sun. I was offered to do that at, at you know quite a young age. I think I was about 20, 25 when I did that, which was amazing. And so I worked there uh, for a few years at nine and I got to do a lot of international travel as part of that. And then I had my first daughter and Channel 7 offered me part-time work there just basically as a features reporter because I had such a young baby. I came back pretty quickly to work. And from that sort of a, a couple of months later, I was sort of reading the news, which was unexpected, <laughs> but great. And so I've been at 7 now for nearly 10 years and I love it. I I read the four o'clock news, I read the 6 pm sport, I also do the football, hosted the Brownlow medal and the grand final last year, which was great. So that was probably a career highlight for me. But yeah, I, I worked full time. I, I sort of had many balls up in the air with that, but that's sort of my career progression there.
0: You really do wear many hats. And one thing that you haven't mentioned is you have been dubbed the Queen of Melbourne at the moment for all of your COVID updates via social media. So, firstly, we just want to thank you at Kaden Copiar. We follow you religiously. We watch your updates like a hawk. So what made you start using your personal platform for these updates?
1: Everyone asked me, how did I do this? And I don't know if the title, a lot of people say, oh, you're the COVID queen. I said, it's not a very good title. (laughs) We could laugh about it, but it's not really. You know what? I'd love to say it was some grand plan, but it really wasn't. It was actually a bit of an accident. Part of my job every day was to host the Daily Dan press conferences. Obviously, we've been doing those for 18 months now. And part of my job was to host those. And then you'd sit there for literally two hours and then you'd say goodbye at the end. So you had this period of time where I wasn't doing very much. I was just watching it. So I started picking up my phone and asking people, do you have a question and it started like that and sort of just grew from there because all of a sudden everyone had a question (laughs) and then more and more people had a question and that's sort of how it evolved which and then I sort of became uh, more active in doing it and I guess being a journalist and, and being so fascinated by the news and you know one thing about COVID is that it's really engaged people in the community around them because everyone wants to know what's going on because it affects their lives, every single person in in the country, it it affects your life. So you want to know if there's a change or if there's news. Whereas when we do a normal news story for the news, not everyone's going to find that interesting. It's only going to be relevant to a certain number of people. But just the nature of COVID meant that everybody wanted their news straight away. And you might not always have been able to get to a tally or flick the radio on to know what's happening. But generally, people have the phone in their hand, And I think Instagram maybe was just a bit of an unused platform for that kind of thing. And I just sort of came in at the right time.
0: You raise a really good point around this whole kind of traditional media flowing into digital media and you've been one of these change makers in terms of how people are consuming the news do you see this as a way of the future and social media and the use of those platforms will just become
1: bigger? A hundred percent. And I think perhaps it's something that us as traditional media maybe haven't been as progressive as as perhaps we should have been. And I mean, I can count this to my own experience at the Herald Sun. I started there before, heraldsun.com.au. And now the paper, no one really buys the paper anymore. It's predominantly online. And I think this is just another extension of that where we move from the traditional, you know, turning on your tally in your lounge room to having a tally with you and consuming news in a really different way, whether it be through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. But I think Instagram particularly, there was a bit of a void there. And also there's so much information out there. So how do you kind of drill it down to just those one or two things that people really need to know?
0: And I guess not to get too into the analytics of your followers, but I'd assume that you're attracting a number of young followers as well who aren't traditionally tuning into the news every night. They want the news, they want it now, and they want it in those really short bite-sized pieces.
1: Yeah, I think the news definitely, the traditional broadcast news does you older. I mean, our data tells us that anyway, but it's amazing. It's funny. I'll I'll cite this anecdote just that pops into my mind from a couple of days ago, just about, you think it's only young people Instagram, but what I've learned from gaining this attraction is that it's actually, it's not as young as you think. And an example of this was I posted a little video that 3AW got, which was a little boy who was going around Princess Park in a dinosaur suit, but we didn't know I was a little boy at the time. It was just a person in a dinosaur suit doing laps of Princess Park. And I don't know if you've seen it, it's actually gorgeous. And, And he was just doing that because he was bored, doing his homeschooling. And someone filmed him. And so they sent the video in and I reposted that on my Instagram. His grandmother contacted me and said, that's my 11-year-old grandson. And from that, I messaged her and said, does he want to come on the news? And she goes, oh, yes. So, you know, that's a grandmother who was following um, on Instagram and had seen her grandson pop up on a video of mine. So I think sometimes, you know, we we look at the data and we say, well, it's definitely these people, but, but you just don't know, do you?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And how do you juggle on reporting on the facts of COVID without getting too personally impacted? It is something that obviously you're so invested in professionally but it also impacts you as a person.
1: I think you have good days and bad days like everybody, don't you? You know, you know what I have learned this week is like I've had a lot of trolls this week, whether they're anti-vaccine trolls or the protesters. I guess one of those about your, your social media presence that I would say is I try to find the light in that. It gives people a little bit of a break. But at the same time, I've had lots of people, I've had people saying like a death threat and, and you look into it and then you go and look at their profile. And you go, well, that's a 23-year-old mother from such and such a suburb. I can see exactly who you are. And I think people are just so overwrought by the whole situation. Sometimes they lash out and I just try to let it all wash over me because I, I guess they're in a really bad way and you try not to let yourself get too overwhelmed with it. Because if you took it too seriously, then you probably you know, wouldn't do it. But at the same time, you've got to also focus on the really positive feedback that you get, which is really amazing. Like, I every negative person that writes something to me personally, there'd be a hundred that say, thanks so much. And sometimes we only ever focus on the bad things and we should look at, yeah, well, the nice things that people have to say rather than so much the negative things. So as a journalist, you do
0: open yourself up to this criticism and trolling that you're experiencing. Has that only happened since social media has started to become really big?
1: Oh, I think you're more aware of it now, but I think it's always been there. You know, like, I mean, when you were an on-the-road reporter, people used to throw things at you. <laughs> so I to, you know, I've been doing it a long time Covering stuff overseas and, you know, stories overseas That perhaps weren't the safest thing to be doing As a young person and we, with very little experience I look back and think, oh, I wouldn't do that now But, you know, I think it's just more How seriously do you want to take it? Do you let it affect you? I did post something the other day And the trolling was, was fairly tough And in the end, I was annoyed at myself Because I, I believed in what I said But they just basically bullied me out of it And I thought, oh, I should keep that up But actually, I deleted it and they all went away And I just block everyone else. And that's the great thing about Instagram and Twitter. You can actually just block people who bug you because it's your own platform. So that's what I tend to do.
0: Yeah, as long as you know that you're helping so many people with these updates, I know that I'm someone I struggle with the news some days, it is really hard. So to have those little short snippets, need to know information, I think is really important. And I know many people feel the same way as I do. Do you feel that there's some sort of pressure of being everyone's go to for COVID news?
1: Oh, I think when I don't post it on time, people are like, what's happening? Where's the press conference on? <laughs> so I'm gonna make sure that I'm always a little bit more connected than what I have been in the past, but it's fairly formulaic now because the press conference is generally on at the same time. And then it's a matter of just drilling down the important things that people need to know. Like today, for example, the important news was that the vaccine rollout for Pfizer is now available at the state run centers. So you let people know that and then people will direct message you does that mean that I have to cancel my other booking for AstraZeneca? Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's just a couple of key points that people want to know and once you post that generally people are are pretty good and and I tend to just pick up the key points and, and then come back to it later in the day and then have a look and see how many dms you've got with people asking for specific information which I can't always answer has your relationship with
0: social media changed over this period of time
1: Oh, definitely. It's funny. I, I've, as I said, I've been a reporter for nearly twenty years, and I never really get recognised in the street. But all the mums down the street now, oh, your COVID questions. <laughs> as I said, it's all been a bit of an accident. So I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. i from being doing the news for such a long time, no one really noticed who I was. But the Instagram COVID questions—they've become a real thing. So <laughs> it's as, as I said, it's been a bit of a surprise. But but everyone's very very nice about it, and yeah, I'm happy to do it because I think as a reporter, it's really nice to connect to people. I love. Love talking to people. That's why I always wanted to be a journalist. I, I love chatting to different people and meeting different people, and I love the news. So it's actually an amazing way to be able to do that. I've been doing some Instagram lives, which I just started over the last fortnight, and you know answering people's questions live on air. That's something that we as reporters don't generally get to do. So I quite I quite enjoy engaging with people in that way.
0: And I want to ask you a little bit of a personal question from all of this. How
1: many hours
0: a day do you spend on social
1: media? Do you know what? I don't even look. Remember those things you meant to set? You meant to set your screen time or something. I got rid of that a long time ago. <laughs> I don't look, but it's all the time. I've got to be really careful. I, I go for a run. I don't answer it then. Yeah, I, I've got a horse. I ride him and I don't even have my phone on me then. And I make sure I do that a couple of times a week. You know how you just need that time where you're not on your phone. But I have to be careful with the kids because you don't want them to see you with a phone in your hand. And I think every parent does that. I do that. And some days I thought, oh, I, I haven't engaged with them in the way that I should because I do have my phone right on me and I'm, I've got my phone in my hand and I'm looking at the press conference in one hand and then I'm trying to engage with them and I think we all as, as parents have to be really careful of that and it's a really difficult balance to get that right.
0: I am definitely with you. I stopped looking at my hours on social media too. And I say that it's for work
1: purposes, so it doesn't count. You just can fall into that Instagram rabbit hole where you don't even know why you're looking at these reels and who who are they and what am I doing? I just need to get off it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. One thing that you did touch on is this beautiful story that you shared earlier this week about the little kid in the dinosaur costume running around the park. Do you think that especially during these difficult times there is an onus on media to make sure we are still sharing these light moments as well. The other moment that comes to mind is the Geelong wedding that you posted Oh, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we just saturate people with bad news because unfortunately, there's not that much good news to go around at the moment. It's a really tough time for everybody. Everyone's, you know, under pressure with their career, with their jobs, with their income, with their children, with their families. It's just overwhelming. And the mental health as well. And so when you tend to bombard people with bad news, sometimes it can just be too much. So I make a conscious effort every single day to post something that's lighthearted or kind of fun because if you can make people have a bit of a laugh or a bit of a smile in a really terrible period that we're all going through then I think that's really important and the Geelong wedding was beautiful because that actually came about my makeup artist from work was making them up and she messaged me and she goes oh have you heard what's happening after the presser I'm making up these brides and their wedding's tonight and I'm like oh no you're not having a wedding tonight it's one (laughs) o'clock here in Geelong and I was actually down in Geelong doing the footy and so I just went around they rushed to get married she quickly finished making them up and she ended up running down with them to a local bar in Geelong and the celebrant raced up from wherever she was and they got married at 12 45 with the 1 p.m curfew and um, they just made it so they were sitting at home with nothing to do and I lobbed up on their doorstep and we interviewed them over the fence (laughs) and I was I was such a great couple what were they going to do on their wedding night they were just going to order some uber eats so that wasn't what they were planning but they were just so happy to have gotten married after cancelling it so many times over the last 18 months I think those sorts of stories people can read those and realize that there are some lightness to this as well and I think it's really important that with all the bad news that we also focus a little on the good things too.
0: I definitely do think we need those lighthearted moments as well. So Kate and Co-PR, we do work on a lot of major events. So I would love to get your thoughts on what do you see the future of big events like the Spring Racing Carnival, Australian
1: Open, Formula One? What is this looking like at the moment? It's exhausting, isn't it, trying to plan for these things and constantly having everything cancelled constantly. And I guess At the moment we're in this weird holding pattern because we've got new south wales there where they will never reach zero and we as a nation can you sustain forever not opening your borders not opening your states to certain states because they've got outbreaks it's it's in the long term unsustainable so i think what we're doing now is buying time until we can get enough people vaccinated. So that's 70 to 80% of the population vaccinated so that we can live perhaps more like, I think the UK is a good example now. They have incredibly high number of COVID cases daily. I think sometimes it's 30,000, some of the numbers of new cases, but people treat that like a cold or the flu because they're vaccinated. And yes, it's confronting because we've gone such a long time wanting this uh, no COVID, this policy of, of total suppression in our community. But then how can business in the long term when at the last minute, I mean, uh, the wedding is a minor, it's, that's like a, a miniature example of a bigger problem, isn't it? You've got caterers, you've got venues, you've got guests, you've got people who are going to stay in accommodation and, and spend money when these people get married. And at the last minute, it's all, can everybody, not only do they not get paid, but um, all the other suppliers down the chain, and then you extrapolate that out to a bigger event, like the Spring Carnival, for example, how can you plan? that when you don't know if the government's going to put your city back into lockdown again and also can you expect people to turn up when they're worried is it the right thing to do now do i want to go to a big event where there's a lot of people because some of those people might not be vaccinated so i think the plan out of it is is to vaccinate it's to ensure that people have a vaccine passport and if you don't get vaccinated you won't be going and i think then you'll see the people that are you know we're we're going to be wearing masks obviously for a long time but perhaps that's where we're heading and, and hopefully but in terms of this year's Spring Carnival, it's it's up in the air. I mean, look at the grand final now. We were planning for the grand final to be in Melbourne less than a month ago and now it's going to be somewhere else and it's just, you know, it's devastating for everybody and, and for all those businesses that are attached to that as an event, you know, it's going to go into state and it's so disappointing for, for everybody involved but there, I guess there is no easy answer at the moment But but you would hope that with vaccination we can learn to live with it essentially. And hopefully these events will, you know, you will have to have a vaccination passport to attend these major events.
0: Yeah, it is so hard and it's so interesting how you mentioned the AFL Grand Final a month ago. We did think that was going to be here and, you know, it takes months and months and even years to plan these big events. And it is actually scary how quick and easy it is to cancel an event. It's a few emails and then you're just feeling a bit empty. All this work goes towards nothing. So
1: fingers crossed. Exactly. Especially from from a PR agency point of view as well, when that's your core business as well. And then all of a sudden it's moved at the last minute. So, So how do you continually cop those losses?
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a wild 18 months, but it has been for so many different industries. So hopefully we can all get vaccinated and get out of this mess as soon as possible. While we are in lockdown, do you have any recommendations that you would like to share with everybody, whether that's a book, a TV show, podcasts, activities?
1: I think you go for a walk every day. It's so simple. It's free. It's fresh air. I run every day. You know, you miss doing your gym and, and little things like that. And it's a first world problem, I guess, in, in a certain way. But if you can get fresh air every day, I find that a re- really helpful thing. And I always try to start my day with some exercise. You know, it's middle of winter, it's not ideal what's well, the end of winter, but it's not ideal. is it when it's freezing in Melbourne, I think it was eight degrees this morning? And you don't always feel like it, but I feel like once you get going and you can get out there and you have that time to yourself. And another thing I try to do is you know if you if you are at home with a partner and you do have kids, can they take the kids for thirty minutes somewhere, you have thirty minutes at home, just have a cup of tea or or a wine or whatever, and have a little period of time to yourself and then do the same for your partner as well. And I found that that's very helpful. Sometimes, just need a bit of me time and when your kids are never at school and they're always in your house it can drive you half insane.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Before we move on, I just wanted to quickly ask you some PR specific questions, especially around the journalist and publicist relationship. Do you have a preferred way to work with a publicist?
1: Yeah, you know what my least preferred way is, and I always say this when I talk to PR agencies, is don't ring any newsroom, no matter who they are. Anytime time after four o'clock in the afternoon and everyone does it. Hi, it's so-and-so from so-and-so. Just checking you've got my release on for tomorrow. Just don't do it because it, it, in the morning it will change. What you should do is ring in the morning because in the morning, uh, even if it's at 5.30, there's someone there from like 4 a.m. in every major newsroom in Melbourne, whether it's tally or radio, and they'll be looking already. They'll have it because you've sent it 10 times. It's like this pet hate amongst uh, journalists and chiefs of staff is that they always ring at the busiest time, which is any time after 4 till 6 if your news bulletin's at 6 or it's 11 if your news bulletin's at 12 or, you know. So I I feel like that's just like one little tip that um, drives everyone insane. But I think think an email is fine or a text. I think most of the time people don't answer their phone anymore, do they? And also to create a personal relationship with people. You know, I, I've known your boss Kate for years, and I think when you've got that with people, they're more than willing to help you out. But if you're just cold calling people, it's really difficult. So get to know the person that you have to call. That's a good piece of advice for any young publicist is it's always good to actually ring and say, hi, what's your name? Or it's, you know, and actually ask them and then they'll remember you next time. And even if you have to spend a couple more minutes on the phone, I always think it's good to have that relationship with, with someone. And it does make it harder with COVID when you're not actually going out to these places to meet these people, you're having to do everything over the phone.
0: So what would you say is the best way for a young publicist who's just come into the game to start building those relationships? Is it picking up the phone and having those conversations there?
1: Yeah, it's having a coffee with someone. So I think it's always good to go out and meet people because once they get to know your face, then when you call them, they'll remember you. Again, really hard during COVID. So let's just say that we're not in COVID. I think if you're a young publicist and you can get the assistant chief of staff to Go out for a coffee with you. Then next time you call, they're far more likely to remember who you are, and then you can get your product more pushed because they've got a personal relationship with you. But even on the phone, just you've, I guess you've got to try to engage that person and try to get to know them. And I know they're busy and probably trying to get your phone, so it's difficult at the same time to do that. And also, if your company does employ former journalists, there's relationships there. And I notice a lot of journalists now do end up end up in publicity and PR. Use them because they're going to know everybody. If you've got that knowledge of of the hourly movements of a newsroom, and for example, for us, you know, we have a four o'clock news. You're far more likely to get a, get your talent on that than you are for six o'clock news because the, the the parameters are different. At four o'clock, they're looking for more news. They're talking to a different audience in the afternoon. It's far more casual, so it's also where you pitch it to as well, like knowing knowing your market and. Another thing I found interesting is we have a lot of trouble and I end up doing it through my Instagram, finding parents who want to talk to us about homeschooling and who want to talk to us about lockdown. It's actually not as easy as you think. So if, you, if you're if someone who's working for an agency and you have talent like that, you go, hey, I've got these five people that I can put up as talent for your story. And then you're cutting the work out of the reporter and then your product will end up on whatever media it is that you're desiring uh, to get on. That's
0: great tips to have. And also to keep in mind when pitching to news reporters, have you seen the PR journalist relationship evolve over time?
1: Definitely. I think we all had a lot more time a, a while ago, like a decade ago and more, we had much more time to go out for long lunches and catch up with people, whereas now the news cycle is 24-7. Everything you do is constantly on Twitter. It's constantly on Instagram. It's constantly on the number of bulletins that we have throughout our day. We're breaking into programming because the news cycle is constant, whereas when I first started, you know, we had a, a 6 o'clock news and we had a late news, and that was it, and we had the Today Show or Sunrise. So that was it in terms of TV and with the papers. You just had the one paper a day. Whereas now it's it's changing every 15 minutes a news story or, or even more regularly a news story almost like a blogging um, on the big news websites now the Age and the Herald Sun they're constantly you know changing the data so it's definitely changed it and as part of that everyone has less time to get to know people and to get to meet people and some of the best relationships that I have from with PR agencies are from a long 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 time ago like would be decades old now because I, we just don't have the time to engage as much as we did in the past so it's definitely harder.
0: That answer leads me perfectly into my next question around how the media landscape has evolved. And you've mentioned that it's constant now. Where do you see traditional media and broadcast media going in the future to target those younger markets as
1: well? I think it's making sure your tally is on your phone. I think that's the key. You know, little snippets and Facebook, the news partnerships that all of our major news organisations in this country now have with Facebook because so much news is consumed through through that. So now, you know, you'll be watching clips on social media rather than watching it, as I said earlier, in that 6pm news bracket. You, you know, people still watch that, obviously. And actually, over COVID, news audiences have grown remarkably because people are home, but also people are more engaged. But it's also spreading that out to the different platforms that we use now and assuming that people can't always consume their news at the same time. They'll consume it throughout the day. So I think that that's the, that's the main change. And to
0: conclude, I just want to end on five quick fire questions. So I will give you some options and you have to choose one. So first, email or phone call?
1: Oh, uh, I love a phone call, but I'm older. So for all young people, email, email, email. Coffee or wine? I don't drink coffee and I drink a lot of wine. wine. <laughs> Digital or traditional media? Both, definitely both. I'm not going to answer that because I work for both. Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok? I am not even on TikTok. I have to go there and see videos and then download them because I'm not, I try to limit, I think, um, and I'm not actually really on Facebook anymore either. And I love Instagram. I think it's a it's a much happier place to be if you are going to be on social. Generally, most people are really positive. And, and actually, yeah, I spend far too much time on Instagram. I love it.
0: Don't we all? And the last one, press release,
1: personal pitch or both? Definitely both. But as I said earlier, when you do your personal pitch, the timing is everything. It's literally everything. And also with the press release, you know, I think some of them can be so wordy and sometimes the simplest is the best. That's what I've learned. I think that's something that, you know, I've learned from my Instagram feed is that most of the time people don't have much time and they just want their three key points. And if you can drill down in any press release, what are the three things? what are the three most important
0: things? Thank you. Thank you so much for all of those tips. I feel like we're all going to come out better publicists for this. And that marks the end of my question. So thank you so much for being our very first guest on the press office. I'm so excited for this to go live and we can't wait to share it with everybody. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co. PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at katecopia.